you know, it's a good time to even say, as you think about what New Life Centers is doing, not only in the little village community, but in many communities in our city, there are a lot of amazing opportunities to get involved. And whether it's mentoring youth or after-school programs, the food pantries that they have, um, there are a lot of awesome opportunities. And so if you're in here today, that might be why you needed to hear this and even hear Paco, who is there uh, in the midst of it, speaking to this, because that might be a prodding on your heart to not just offer thoughts, but to offer action. And so if you hear that, they are always looking for more people who can help. And so if you hear that and that sparks something in you, um, you can send me an email after service or come see me or um, send Gabby an email. The email's on their church website. Um, and we will follow up with you and get you in touch with the people that will talk to you about how you can get involved with what Centers is doing in the Little Village community, and like I said, in many other communities in our city. Um, so continue to pray for Little Village and Chicago. Uh, last week, we began a, a new series on friendship called Not Alone. Not Alone. And we're going to be in the book of Proverbs today. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to Proverbs, you can turn there. Uh, we're going to be all over Proverbs, so it might be hard to f- keep up. I will have the verses on the screen. Uh, if anything, what I would maybe recommend is getting a piece of paper out or uh, in a pen or maybe a notes app uh, on your phone to maybe jot some of these things down because uh, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit um, in Proverbs. But that's the book that we're going to be looking at. The idea of not being alone. We were created to be in friendship. We were meant to be connected, have genuine connections with people who make us better. And the church should be a place where spiritual relationships, friendships can grow and thrive. Especially thinking about our spiritual lives with Jesus, we need others walking with us. Because a relationship with Jesus means walking and having friendships with others who love Jesus. This is a defining reality of what it means to love Jesus. This isn't an elective. We need one another. It's one thing to say we need friendship. It's another thing to say, but how do we navigate friendship? How do we process and navigate the idea of being a friend? I mean, sometimes we jokingly say, well, they didn't teach that in school, or that didn't come with a manual. I mean, parents will say, well, having a kid didn't come with a manual. Or I've heard a lot of people say over the last year, living through a pandemic, that's not something they taught us in school. There's some of these ideas that you have to figure it out as you go. And sometimes friendship can come feel like that. Well, they didn't teach this one. Friendship doesn't come with a manual. But the reality is, in Proverbs, in the Old Testament, we do see a ton of direction and guidance on what it means to be a friend. The idea of Proverbs is all about wisdom for life, helping people to discern how to navigate things in a way that honors the Lord and guides us in holiness. And one of the topics that it helps us to process is the reality of friendship. And so today is meant to be as practical as it can get. But at the same time, I just want to warn you about the reality of this. Because as practical it is, Proverbs is one of the most profound and deepest sections of Scripture. Proverbs wants us to think deeply 
about who we are. If all we think of as Proverbs are little inspirational sayings that we can put on our wall, we are missing the point of what Proverbs does. Proverbs is like a scalpel cut, cutting deep, going, pulling out our outer shells and causing the inner reality of who we are to be exposed. They're not just trying to motivate us, even though they're doing that, they're trying to get us to think Okay, if I'm supposed to be holy as God is holy, if I'm supposed to be showing God's character and becoming more like Jesus, well, what does that look like in this actual thing? How do I do that as a friend? Am I doing that as a friend? Proverbs isn't microwave life. I'm gonna put in friendship, get a little thing and keep going. No, this is like crockpot living. I need to sit in these things. I need to really think about what they're saying, about the friend that I am and the friends that I have. That's why I maybe suggest, I suggest maybe writing some of these things down so that you can sit in them later. Because what an important thing to be honest and genuine and critical and challenged about, but how we navigate friendships. The friendships we have, how to engage, and how to be one. And so this is practical, but it's going to cut deep. And so in that, I know that we prayed with Paco, but I would love to pray again and just ask God to speak to our hearts as we open up his word. God, we do ask that. We ask that you would speak truth to us, that you would speak encouragement to us, that you would speak challenging us, God. That we would be honest about who we are. That we wouldn't be evaluating or criticizing or critical of anyone else. God, help us to see us. I pray you would cut deep into our hearts so that you can show us how you want to care for us and guide us. I'm so grateful, God, for how you've made this place and the way you show your love in this place. And so I pray you'd make us stronger and closer to you as well as one another from what you're going to do today. And so, Spirit, move in this room, move in the homes. I pray that you would do what only you can do. It's in your name we pray, amen. So I've taken a lot of most of the different Proverbs, a lot of them that talk about friendship and allude to friendship and try to group them based on the different themes that they they deal with and how they guide us in this reality of friendship. And one of the biggest ones, one of the things I think is most important for us to consider first off is this, that we need to be wise in who we we build deep friendships with. I think this is the starting place. I think if we're going to think through how to navigate friendships wisely, we have to start here. Be wise in who you build deep friendships with. We see this at different parts in Proverbs where it's basically asking us to think about that question. Who are you hanging out with? In fact, the central one, one of the central verses in Proverbs that talks about this is Proverbs 13, 20. The one who walks with the wise gets wise, but the friend of stupid people experiences evil things. I mean, you really can't get more blunt than that, right? If you're with wise people, you're going to get wise. If you're with stupid people, you're going to experience stupid things. It, It just puts it out there for us. I think about the reality of COVID and over the last year, all of our conversation and how we've navigated this has been thinking about how contagious COVID is. 
And so everything that we do has been to stop the spread of the germs, of the disease. So we don't catch this because of how contagious it is. Well, what Proverbs is telling us is that where we don't want to catch a disease because of how contagious it is, Proverbs is telling us basically that character is contagious. The people that we hang out with, their character spreads we will catch the character that they are contagious with. And so it causes us to ask, what are your friends spreading? What are you going to catch from your friends? Are your friends spreading stupid and foolish? Or are your friends spreading wisdom and holiness? Those who we develop deep friendships with, that we connect ourselves with, those that we are mutually committed to, love, sacrifice for, and care for, they need to be people that when we're, there, we're around them, we are going to catch godliness. They're going to spread godliness to us. And this is where Proverbs cuts deep. What am I catching from my friends. And the same idea is repeated in many of the Proverbs. It says in 22, verses 24 and 25, don't befriend a person characterized by anger. Don't go about with someone hot-tempered, lest you learn his ways and get a snare for your life. 28 says, an understanding son guards instruction, but one who befriends gluttons disgraces his father. Chapter 14 says, get away from the stupid person. You won't have known, and, yet, and you won't have known knowledgeable lips. Someone characterized by anger is going to spread anger. Someone who lives without constraint is going to spread stupid, going to spread disgraceful living. Someone who's living in foolishness spreads foolishness. The New Testament explains it and packs the punch. Paul says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And so who are you hanging out with? Who are you allowing into your life? Remember, Proverbs is cutting deep and wanting us to consider how we are pursuing God in our lives. And so two questions that we need to think about. The first one is this. Do the people... I allow into the deepest parts of my life, influence it for godliness. Now I need to clarify, this doesn't mean that you're not going to have any relationships, you're not going to connect with anyone that doesn't love Jesus. That's not what this is saying. It's not saying avoid humanity. But the idea of this is not that we isolate ourselves from humanity, but we think through who speaks into our lives. If Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And one of the ways that we guard our hearts, we guard who we are, our soul, is being responsible for who speaks into it. I mean, this is super important, especially when you think about dating. Because this is an important thing to consider is that one date is very much based on the visceral, the experience, but that can turn into something more. And if that person isn't somebody who's going to speak godliness into my life, I need to have that as a value and a conviction up front or I'm going to sacrifice it later. Does that make sense? 
And so we have to be, be thinking about this. Who do I allow into the deepest parts of my life? But the second question is, do I proactively build friendships with people that I can catch holiness with? That's where this idea hits home. The response isn't, well, I'm just not going to let anybody in. I'm just going to go and be an island. No, that's not what the Bible tells us because it tells us we're meant to not be alone. We have to be connected with other people. The response is, I need to be proactively finding people in my life who are I can catch holiness from, godliness of, from, that I can find people who I can catch a love for Jesus and other people. This is why church relationships are so important, that we would be a people who are spreading godliness and a love for others. Be wise in who you build deep friendships with. Now you take this concept, we take what it's directing us for, and Proverbs builds on it with warnings and encouragement. It warns us to avoid foolishness and it encourages us, shows us how to spread godliness. Again, the who am I being with? Avoid foolishness. Who am I proactively surrounding myself with? Spread godliness. And so the, the idea of avoiding foolishness, how does Proverbs help us with this? Well, in avoiding foolishness, Proverbs says, beware of the minds which destroy friendships. Be aware of the minds which destroy friendships. I've had the privilege of being able to go to Israel many times over the last five or six years. And one, as within just exploring the country and exploring the people there, you also learn a lot about the history that's gone on in a place. And obviously, over the last 100 years, even before that, but especially the last modern Israel, there's been a lot of different military conflicts and such as they've had to fight for their freedom. And at one point, between the 50s and 60s, 1.2 million landmines were placed within a 50,000 50, square acre area. Now that's a big area, but that's also a lot of mines. And there was military strategy behind all of that, but the idea being there were mines everywhere. And you step on one, it's not going to be a good day. A lot of effort has happened, though, since then, in the decades since, to clear the mines and clear what's remaining because 1.2 million mines, there's still a lot of mines there. And so if you go through the northern region where all these are, I mean, it's beautiful. The landscape is just gorgeous and the hills and the greenery, it's just an amazing drive. But along different fences, you will see these bright yellow signs with the red triangle that are saying, danger, mines. Don't come, this is not where you're going to take a stroll. Avoid this. Watch your step. Be careful. You take this same idea and what is Proverbs telling us is that when it comes to friendships, when it comes to relationships, there are minds that we need to be careful of, that we don't step on so that our relationships don't experience destruction. What are some of those warning signs that Proverbs holds up for us? Well, if you're going to avoid foolishness, it says, warning, don't gossip. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a crooked person stirs up arguments and a gossip separates a friend. Some people talk about other people like it's a form of entertainment. 
They set up their own little talk show panels just for their own enjoyment and what they can get out of it. But the problem is, is that gets back to the person that they're talking about and it destroys the friendship. The basic rule of thumb should be this, is if somebody isn't around, you should only be saying positive things about them. If the person that you're talking about isn't around, you should only be saying positive things. And if you have something negative to talk about, that's something you need to go deal with them personally. To gossip is to destroy a friendship. And so we need to not step on that mind. Another mind that it warns us of is to remove bitterness. Proverbs 17.9 says, one who seeks a relationship covers over rebellion, but one who repeats a matter separates a friend. I mean, to have a friendship, to be in a relationship, means that we are going to hurt one another. It is inevitable. To be connected with somebody is to have the potential to be hurt. The response to that isn't, well, I'm just not going to be connected to anybody. No, the response to that is, we need to learn how to deal with conflict. Now, that's actually the thing we're going to talk about all next week. But within the warning that we see here, what is this saying? The idea is if you're seeking a relationship and you cover a rebellion, you forgive a rebellion. If something has been dealt with and, and forgiven, then don't bring up forgiven things. Because when you bring up something that's been dealt with, that doesn't help the relationship. It's why 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, if, if things keep happening, then it's not dealt with. But if something's dealt with and it's forgiven and it's, not, and it's in the past and not in the current and you bring it up, you are bringing tension into the, into the relationship. You're holding on to bitterness rather than staying with forgiveness. And Proverbs says you need to avoid the bitterness. The other warning, don't delay care. Proverbs 3, 28, 29, don't say to your neighbor, go, come back, and tomorrow I'll give it to you. When it's with you, don't devise evil against your neighbor when he's living trustingly with you. And if we were at a pool and somebody was in the water clearly struggling with their hands out saying, help me, help me, you wouldn't look at them and go, wait, hold on, I'll be back in a minute. And you'd go do something. No, you would help them. And that's, what the, that's basically the image that these, this passage is telling us is that if you know that somebody is in need, help them. Don't put off the good that can be done now until later. Now, it's okay to say, I can't help you. I can't do this. But we need to communicate that rather than trying to prolong something because we don't want to admit we can't help. So if we can help, we need to help now. If we can't help, we need to help by finding somebody who can help the situation. I just really don't, I can't help this. I don't know how to, but let's figure out somebody who can. Does that make sense? Don't just put something off when good can be done. And if the basic kind of good that we can do is to help somebody find the person who can help them, then that's what we should be doing. Don't delay care. And the last warning, and this is a huge one, don't be flippant. Don't be flippant. Like a madman who is shooting fiery arrows of death is someone who deceives his neighbor and says, I was joking, wasn't I? In our culture, in our society, I was joking 
is, is used as the get-out-of-jail-free card for everything. It doesn't matter what we say, what we do, or whatever. We feel that if we can say, I was joking after the end of it, then everything should be okay. I was joking doesn't excuse anything. If we've said something wrong, if we've done something wrong, we need to own that and we need to lean into the conflict, not try to erase it away with, I was joking. It also tells us whoever derides your neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. To completely just deride, to completely just nag, to completely speak into, rather than saying, okay, what does this person need? Again, that is foolishness. To be flippant is to be disrespectful. It's to not be serious. And the Proverbs warn us to not be flippant with our words. We need to take how we talk seriously. We need to realize that the idea of just saying is the stupidest comment ever said in the world. I know I'm speaking from my own personal like pet peeve bias, but I hate that phrase because no one is just saying. You are doing something with your words. We are doing something. We're either encouraging and building up we're being flippant, we're being sarcastic, snarky, whatever it is, but you're doing something with your words and you need to be responsible for them. This is why Ephesians says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Not what I want or what I need, but I'm going to talk based on what they need. And is what I'm saying going to encourage where they're at, not where I'm at? That it may benefit those who listen. Man, that speaks to us, doesn't it? We have to be mindful of how we talk, that what we say helps somebody. Because yeah, anybody can talk, but the wise person is mindful of how they talk and uses their words to build up. We need to hear these warnings. Don't gossip, remove bitterness, don't delay care, don't be flippant, but remember, Proverbs cuts deep. And so when you see these phrases, when you see these warnings, what does God show you? Are there moments that come to mind when you see these warnings? Are there conversations, interactions you've had with people that come up when you see these warnings? Are there faces that come up? Are there minds that you may have stepped in that you need to go back and make right? Because that's the reality. These are all relational. When we step into one of these minds and it blows up, it's not just us that's getting hurted. It's somebody else and maybe even more people. And so if I've stepped into one of these minds, I can't just excuse it with, oops, sorry, I didn't mean that. I have to own up to the damage that's been caused and make that right, and then figure out a way to not step on the mine again? Are there adjustments that I need to make or help that I need to get to avoid the mines? Because again, it's not just apologizing for the mines, it's also figuring out how to stop stepping in them. It's one thing for friendships to change because of the natural flow of life, but we all need to do what we can to avoid destroying relationships because minds that could have been avoided are continually being stepped on. And so avoid foolishness. Beware of the minds which destroy friendships. 
but we also then encourage us to spread godliness. Be a genuine friend that you also need others to be. Pastor Tim Keller gives four descriptions of what a genuine friend looks like. And rather than reinventing a will, I want to tell you what his four marks of a genuine friend are. He gives first constancy. Constancy, a genuine friend is constant. 12, 18, 24, there are neighbors to act like neighbors and there's one who gives himself who sticks firmer than a brother. The idea of constancy is always present. Even when things are falling apart, always going to be there, always going to be present, never going to be slipping away, even during the darkest of times. It's easy to be a friend when it's a party. It's hard to be a friend when there's tragedy. And the friend who is defined by constancy is there during the longest and darkest of valleys. Someone like this is one who is available and dependable, caring about us when we are at our worst or when we're going through the worst. A true friend, a genuine friend, never asks, how long do I need to put up with this? We actually had a woman that came to our church, this was five or six years ago, who struggled with, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia. She had a tragic, horrible story of sexual abuse. And the, just a, her story was so tragic. But she found Jesus. And she, found, she was baptized in this place. But she was, it, it was hard to care for her. It was hard to love her. But we did. And I remember one person coming up to us at one time after a moment, a season that we had with her and said, you know, at one point do we say like, we don't have what you need here. You need to find it somewhere else. And I said, never. That's never gonna happen. While I'm here, that, that will never be said. If anything, I would maybe say that you need to think through why you're here. Because this is going to be the place that the broken people and the person struggling, as difficult as it is, we're not just looking for easy hurt. We're looking for real hurt. And we want to walk alongside people who are going through the worst of times and not just say that we're going to be friends with somebody if we can handle it. Does that make sense? To somebody that's going to be a genuine friend says, I'm going to walk with you even when it's hard to do it. We have to be constant. A genuine friend is careful, careful, carefulness. Chapter 25, 17. Seldom set foot in your father's house, excuse me, neighbor's house. Too much of you and they will hate you. 25, 20, a couple of verses after this says, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. I mean, you have an emotional connection when you have a friendship with somebody. And to be a friend is therefore to be emotionally sensitive to somebody, more than aware of their life and their expectancies and their experiences and what they need. And so what is this telling us is I'm going to be mindful of how I am around somebody. I'm going to care about how I am around somebody because that's what friends do. If my friend is in the lowest point possible, I'm not going to come in blasting happy and dancing with them and saying, let's cheer up because that's not what you do. The idea of if I'm truly going to be a friend to somebody, I'm going to think through how do I handle myself for them? knowing that they're also going to be like that toward me. I'm careful 
about them. He also says candor, 27.6, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy. The kisses of an enemy are, are, are impromptu. 29.5, to flatter friends is to lay a trap for their free, feet. A true friend, these verses are saying, are forthcoming. They speak truth to us, even the difficult truths. Sometimes the things that we need to hear are painful. They're hard to hear. We don't like hearing that because it's hurt. But a friend says, this hurts me to say it, and I know it's going to hurt you for me to say it, but it needs to be said if healing or growth or faithfulness is going to happen. And so the candor person who is caring about somebody is willing to speak truth. And that's where 29.5 is such a counter-cultural reality because to lay a trap for my friend, to only say the things that they want to hear is to not be a friend. In our culture, it's, oh, that's so bad. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. And only just feed flattering things. When sometimes the way that you love somebody is to say, you know what, this isn't good. You're going down the wrong path. This isn't how you should be. You're better than this. When you have a friend who's being careful and candor at the same time, those words are spoken with grace and wanting to guide you to the Lord. Constancy, carefulness, candor, and he ends with counsel. 27.9, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. The important thing here about counsel is being vulnerable, to share with a friend the things that we don't share with others to be open with our secrets and knowing that somebody cares about them. When we see counsel, we typically think of a counselor in our time frame. And anybody that knows me, I am 100% behind the idea of counseling. That is a great thing. It should be considered by all people. It is something that helps us and I'm all for it. But this isn't what that's talking about. The heartfelt counsel of a friend, when you go see a counselor, it's typically a one-way street type of a thing. You're talking about your stuff and they're giving you guidance and help within that. What this is talking about is with the friendship, it's a two-way street. We're both sharing. We're both being vulnerable. We're both saying the things that need to be said. Then I speak about what's going on in my life as well as you speak about what's going on in your life and we reciprocate that. Having somebody that knows our junk and you know theirs. Because Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and a person sharpens the edge of his friend. In a genuine friendship, both are being open, sharing, and vulnerable. In a genuine friendship, both become better because of the other person in their life. And if that's only happening with one person, if only one person's being better and the other person's lacking, then somebody's using the other one. When a genuine two-way street friendship is happening, both people become better people because they have one another in their lives. And so this proverb cuts deep. The idea of constancy, careful, candor, counsel, these are realities that we need in our life. They reflect the heart of Jesus. We need friends like this because this is how he is toward us. And we need to be like this to others because this is how he is to us. And so which of these words sticks out to you? And why is it that word? Is it, yeah, I've, 
I, I am this toward my friends. The peop, there are people I am this toward, or maybe one sticks out, I need to own up to, I need to work on that one more. I need to be honest that that might be the missing thing in the relationship. Who comes to mind? Maybe you need, need to spend time with them because they can be this in your life. We need to spread godliness. Be the genuine friend that you also need others to be. And so Proverbs tells us, be wise in who you, are build, you build deep friendships with. Avoid foolishness and spread godliness. And so when you see what Proverbs is directing us in, how it guides us, we need to circle back to the two questions. Do you need to reevaluate who are you are connecting with at the deepest of levels? Because here's the thing that we need to really think about. It is during our loneliest, loneliness, loneliest, loneliest, loneliest moments that we compromise who we are around. Because we want to be around somebody so bad we don't care about who we're around and we'll just take anyone. If somebody is trapped in the woods, lost for days with nothing to eat, and they come out and somebody finds them, that person can hand them an old, nasty, even moldy package of hot dogs and they would just start eating it because they're so hungry they'll take anything. The rest of us would look at that and go, ooh, let me get you something else, but no, I just need this. It might help them on the short term, but there's going to be long-term consequences of that. And that's what happens when we are lonely. We will be willing to take anyone into our life simply because they're in our life. And what Proverbs is saying is that might, that might help us feel better in the short term, but in the long term, that's going to actually do more damage. We need, to be, we need to put ourselves in situations where we can meet people who are going to feed and we can catch godliness and true love from. So you need to guard your heart when you're lonely. Don't just allow anyone in. And we need to, or when we're hurt, we need to evaluate our friendships that way. The other question, do you need to prioritize making the effort to connect with others who love Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, Christian brotherhood or sisterhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It's rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. God, God made the idea of the church happen. That's not something that people came up with. God said, this is how it is. Come be a part of it. And so we have to intentionally be a part of it. And I just want to speak to that reality in closing today, that if you think about the reality of the pandemic, it has forced us into isolation. And understandably so at times, especially early on, but as we are into, it's not over, but we're in a new season of navigating it and stuff, we have to think through, are we intentionally putting the effort into connecting with the church, or are we excusing being in isolation continually? Because the reality is, is that we form habits over the last year where I'm just used to this now. 
I'm just, used, I'm just used to listening to it later on in a podcast. I'm just used to maybe connecting with people every once in a while. I mean, I know we talk about the church thing, but I mean, I have these two or three Christian friends that I can connect with, and that's good, and they encourage me. That's an excuse to not be part of the church. God does not call us, just go have little two or three people and excuse that as community. He says, be part of the body of Christ. We need to be part of a community because those two or three people, yes, you need that, but that's not the only thing that you need. That's not the only thing that you need because you need to be using your gifts in a place and there's other people that need you. Not just caring for you, but adding purpose to how you were made so that God can work through you in a place. C.S. Lewis said, Christ can say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. God chose you to be a part of this place. Why? Your experiences, your gifts, who you are, whatever that is, you're here for a reason. And we become apathetic within who we are when we disconnect and we're not intentionally pursuing community. And so I challenge you, we have to break out of the pandemic reality from early on and start rethinking how to be friends in the new pandemic reality. You have to be intentional about being part of community. Do what it takes to be part of the church. And if you can't do that in this one, then find the one you can. But just coasting with two or three people or just coasting every once in a while is not how you were made. And it's not what the church was meant to be. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider, ponder, wonder, dream. How can I encourage these people? How can I make this place better? That's what we need to be about. And I want to give you an opportunity. I can't just talk about this without saying, okay, here's some ways that we can do this. I've already mentioned the connection lunch and the women's hangout, but on May 1st, we're going to do a family meal. And so we're going to do a family meal by the lake. This is going to be Saturday, May 1st. It's going to be from 4 to 6. We're going to do this near Foster Street Beach where this circle's at. The reason why we picked this place is, one, there's a great parking lot and a lot of parking near this area, and it's also the closest place to CTA. Anywhere we would do it kind of further south, there's not as easy to get there from CTA. Really short walk there from CTA. Bring your own food. You got a grill you can bring, bring that. Other people can bring meat. But come and spend time with your church family. College students, this is an incredibly busy time of year. Do not use that as an excuse to not participate. Let this be your study break from all of it. Parents, do not let the craziness of kids and all handling all of that be the reason why you can't come because our families need to, our kids need to see their parents connected with other believers. Wherever you're at in every stage of life, we need to make it a priority. And this is just as low-hanging fruit as I can make it. 
come and have a meal and all the whole agenda of this is to eat together, laugh together, hang out together. And so unless you have something going on already, I challenge you, please, please come and hang out and start doing the work to make those friends. We need one another. You weren't meant to go through life alone. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for how you place us, how you choose for us to be in a community. I pray, God, that you would help us see this place differently, that we would see, why, ask ourselves, why are we here? Why have you placed us here? Who do we need to connect with? Who can I encourage? Help us to take the baby steps that need to be taken to be, get on a journey of friendship. God, I pray that you would make this church better, that you would make this community better for you and for where you've placed us. It's in your name we pray, amen. Think about how God guides us and how God directs us. Let's stand together and sing this last song.